0: Over the last few weeks, we've looked at faith lessons through the lens of a preschooler and also through the lens of man's best friend, a dog. This morning's faith lesson comes from a day at the beach, or more specifically, faith lessons when our plans don't unfold like we thought they would unfold. As we explore this this morning, There are going to be opportunities for you to chime in in the chat, so I want to give you a heads up now to be ready to do that and know that we welcome your conversation uh, at a few moments in the sermon this morning. For a lot of people this summer, their vacation plans have changed big time. Many of you are having to change or cancel your vacation plans entirely. Some of you are coming up with alternative options like staycations, vacations that are much closer to home, and maybe vacations that aren't so reliant on going out to eat. Thinking about vacation in 2020 is unlike any other year in recent memory when it comes to all of the necessary adjustments and changes that this pandemic has brought on. How have you specifically, how have your travel plans changed for 2020? If yours have changed, why don't you share that in the chat as we get going this morning? What plans did you have and what are you now doing instead or what are you doing differently? Before the pandemic and before all of this started, we had planned a beach trip with my family. Our plan was to stay at a house with my extended family, so in some ways our vacation was hardly affected at all by the changes brought along by the pandemic. We were mostly together in a house, safe with one another, but there were some differences, such as trying to be away from other people when you were on the beach, and limiting trips to the grocery store, and even finding creative ways to stop and get food or take a rest while you're in transit. We have two babies, so we needed to take a break to break up a four-hour drive, and we ended up stopping at a Bojangles outside of Richmond. There was nowhere that we could go in, and nowhere we particularly wanted to go in, so we had a picnic outside of Bojangles right next to the sign in some of the only shade that we can find. So I went in, got a Cajun filet biscuit combo times two, and some Bowberry biscuits, and we enjoyed that while the twins enjoyed their bottle. And it was just weird. If, if I saw a snapshot of a, a Bojangles picnic in 95-degree weather this time last year, I would have thought that, that I'd really lost my mind this summer. And while the pandemic may not have fully altered our vacation plans, both Sarah and I were learning that vacationing with two babies looks very different than it did before we had them. We did make it to the beach. We had a wonderful time with my family. But in some ways, our vision for the time, specifically our vision for rest, was absolutely derailed. The babies did not sleep. They did not sleep well. Every night, they were up and down, up and down. And with an unfamiliar environment, they slept poorly. And for us as parents, that was not remotely restful. We enjoyed getting out of town, we really enjoyed spending time with family, but our plans for a relaxing getaway to the beach were derailed, and we ended up coming home a day early, where I'm happy to say they slept much better in their own cribs. Our plans were derailed, and that's a small example, yet many of us, many of you, have been grappling with changes to your own summer plans. I've talked to some of you who have had to pause what were grand international travels that you had planned for this year. I've talked to others of you who had grand visions of vacations to the zoo or to Nationals Park, and you've had to put those on hold for now. Some of you were going to visit family. Others were looking forward to having family come visit and are just not ready for that to happen yet. So whether your plans were to go a few miles north into DC or to go across the globe, I get it, we're understandably sad that we won't be able to have that escape that we'd envisioned until maybe even 2021 at the earliest. And people are coping with this in different ways. Check out this video here, it shows how one guy in in the Netherlands is dealing with not being able to travel as much during the pandemic. That is pretty creative first-class cr- first travel there. As we think about our faith in everyday life this morning, we'll think about what we do when our plans get derailed. Yes, vacation plans are being altered this year, but more than that, we're being forced to adjust our hopes and our dreams that we had hoped to pursue in 2020. We're going to spend time this morning thinking about how we're called to respond when our plans are knocked off course. We'll explore that through the lens of Acts 28, which we heard earlier this morning, where the Apostle Paul gets derailed off course when he was going to Rome. Paul's traveling from Caesarea in the north of modern-day Israel to Rome. He'd stopped in Crete, and this storm comes up uh, and knocks them off course. Now, Paul was On a boat, but it was not a cruise. It was no vacation. Paul was being taken as a prisoner. He'd been arrested in Acts 21. That's a pretty neat story you can check out this week. Now, as a prisoner headed to Rome, his plans got derailed. He's on a boat with other prisoners, with other soldiers and guards when they encounter a storm and they're shipwrecked. This happens at the end of Acts 27. The prisoners and soldiers they're forced to jump overboard and get to shore as best as they can. And they do make it on shore, and a lot happens in 10 verses, as we'll see this morning. So they land on the island of Malta, right there in the Mediterranean near Italy. So if you're craving some travel this morning, let's take a trip to Malta together in Scripture this morning. We'll start that by looking at verses 1 and 2 from our passage. I'll hit those again for you real quick here. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. One of the worst feelings that I physically felt is being in cold water. When I was in high school, I ran track and had shin splints off and on. So sometimes after practice, I would have to soak in an ice bath to help those heal. And I would cringe as I'd slowly lower myself into that tub. And, and I kind of cringe thinking about it right now. And we see in verse one that as the shipwrecked, it's cold. And on top of that, it's also raining. But that's not all. In the first century, when outsiders landed in a new territory, odds are they weren't going to receive a warm reception and instead could be viewed as a threat. So it's a double whammy here. They're shipwrecked. It's cold and it's raining, and they're showing up on an island where they aren't invited. Now, this morning, as we're receiving this passage, can you relate to this boatload of people? Do you feel like you've been through a storm or a shipwreck or some sort of derailment in 2020? When this happens in life, there's a temptation to sit in that shipwreck to take in the destruction and to reflect on how your expectations weren't met, to lament and to grieve and to process. These are, to an extent, very healthy and very normal things to do to respond when you've encountered a shipwreck or when your plans have been derailed. But if we venture away from the shipwreck and if we head to shore, we may be surprised to see how God provides for us. Though it doesn't look like the odds are in the favor of those who are on the ship, the crew experiences some unusual kindness. I love the combination of these two words here, unusual kindness. It's possible this really could have been the end for those on the ship. First off, there were prisoners who were arrested, so they've been extended a lifeline to go to Rome. The storm didn't take them out. The shipwreck didn't take them out the journey from the water to the shore didn't take them out. Surely these islanders might, right? Now, the Greek word that's translated as islanders here is is barbaroi, which is plural for barbaros. Does that sound a little familiar to you? It's where we get the word barbarians from. And rather than meeting Paul and company with hostility, these Barbarian islanders instead show hospitality and kindness that's both surprising and unusual. Now, unusual events can lead to unusual kindness. I'll say that again. Unusual events can lead to unusual kindness, like opportunities for us to be blessed by the kindness of others and opportunities for us to care for others in ways that are absolutely outside of our normal routines. When our plans change, and let's be honest, our plans are changing right now, when they change, through faith, we can encounter people who extend grace to us and who encourage us. Like Paul and the others who were on that ship that wrecked and got to shore, we too, we can proceed through our storms and navigate altered plans with faith. And if we do this, we can end up both receiving and giving unusual kindness that we never expected. I have seen firsthand many people in our church community being givers of kindness in unusual ways over the course of this year. God's people at OTCC have been ensuring that no one in our neighborhood goes hungry on Monday mornings, and it looks different now. If you can picture our church, we have tables at the foot of the stairs where you enter the sanctuary, and volunteers place food there, and guests come and pick up food from there so that we don't get too close, and we chat on the sidewalk from a distance. It's an unusual scene for a meal, but it's an example of that unusual kindness we see described here. God's people at OTCC this past week stood at our doors and welcomed people from our community who came in to donate their blood. There is such a demand for blood right now, and there's such a response from people in the community who want to help that we had seats lined down our hallway, and we had to usher people to these seats and wait while someone with a mask sanitized their seat so that they could sit and wait and get in line to give blood It was an unusual scene, but another example of unusual kindness, both ways, of the church community here for hosting, but of our community for responding to that opportunity and patiently coming and giving their blood to help save lives. God's people at OTCC have not let this pandemic stop or hinder their care for children. Each month, volunteers have dropped off Packages for kids on behalf of the church. And in the process, they've waved through windows. They've caught up six feet apart or sometimes through a window or a storm door. Another unusual scene, but another example of unusual kindness. Personally, I'll say that my way of experiencing kindness entails in-person interaction. It's something that I love. I love people and I feel like I thrive off of that. And as my general vision for that, for 2020, has been derailed, I've been really surprised to find that I have felt the kindness of people in new and unusual ways over the last few months, from phone calls to Zoom after Zoom after Zoom, to letters to surprise doorstop deliveries. The kindness that I've experienced has made me feel less like I'm in the midst of a shipwreck and more like my community has helped build a fire to warm me up like we've seen in the passage this morning. How has God led people into your life this year to spread unusual kindness over the last few months? I encourage you now to share something in the chat about how God has cared for you in the same way that he cared for this shipwrecked crew that we see in the passage this morning. Maybe it was someone from OTCC who was able to encourage you in the midst of this season. So let's hear about that, and let's thank God for that as well in the chat this morning. There are more surprises for us to address in the passage this morning, so let's shift our attention now beyond verse 2 to verses 3 through 6. And I'll read that again real quick to catch us up. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it into the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, They changed their minds and said he was a god. Pretty nice progression for Paul over the course of a few verses there. Do you believe in bad omens? When I was little, I was thinking back this week, I know I went through a phase where I refused to step on cracks in the sidewalk for some reason. I'm sure somebody explained to me on the bus in great detail why I shouldn't do that. And this must have driven my parents crazy. Uh, And I could get a little strange with my superstitions as a kid. When my football team was on a hot streak, I would wear the same undershirt to play in for weeks on end. And I actually did wash it between, but it was the same undershirt over and over again because it was full of good vibes, and I wanted to keep that going. In reality, I, I don't believe that any of that actually means anything. But the Islanders on Malta definitely had some superstitions. In the passage, it seems like things are getting worse for Paul when he's building a fire, trying to warm up, and bam, viper latches onto his hand. And this could be an omen in their eyes, that he's a bad guy and full of bad vibes, and that would not have been uncommon in the first century. But the situation is redeemed. Paul's able to shake it off into the fire, and then when he doesn't die, he goes from maybe he's a murderer to maybe he's a god. Have you ever encountered a snake in your life? You know, Some people uh, think about a snake, and it makes them smile. And other people think about a snake, and it makes them squirm. Well, when I was growing up, my dad was one of those people who loved snakes. And he still loves snakes to this day. And he actually had the reputation in our town of being someone that you could call when you had trouble with a snake or needed help with a snake on your carport or on your doorstep. And occasionally, he would come home with a tube sock, a tube sock that looked stretched out, a little heavier on one end, with a knot on the top. And that's because the tube sock had a snake in it. And we would take that out in the woods behind our house and release it. Who knows how many snakes ended up living there over the years. And these were usually harmless black snakes. But Paul was dealing with a viper, and vipers are venomous. So now Paul has survived everything that's happened in Acts. He's survived the storm. He's survived the shipwreck. He's survived the islanders. And this viper also can't faze him. He simply adjusts, shakes it off, and goes. Maybe we can't all relate to being bit by a snake, but can you relate to having extra worries on your mind, extra burdens to bear, Unmet expectations and derailed plans can feel like a metaphorical viper that's jumped up that we didn't see coming and bit us and slowed us down. Do you feel this morning or this summer like you're carrying around extra mental or emotional weight due to how much your plans and how much your expectations have been derailed? Now, just as Paul shook that viper off, and carried on in faith, we need to identify any of these figurative vipers in our life and address them. Name that viper that's in your life, that extra weight that's giving you around-the-clock concern. Is it your worries about returning to the workplace? Is it your concerns about sending your children back to school? Maybe simply the burden of missing social contact or the longing feeling to worship in person together in the same space. It could be fears you have about your health or the health of a loved one or just anxiety about not being able to be around people that you love right now. If any of these realities, if any of these figurative vipers are stinging you right now, know that you are not alone. But it's important to identify and name what's weighing you down and keeping you from experiencing the fullness of God. Because that viper that we see in Acts 28 was not from God. And these weights and these burdens that you're carrying, they are not God's desire for your peace and wholeness in your life. If you feel this morning like Your summer or your year has been derailed. Carve out some time today, maybe right after church or this afternoon, to identify what it is that's weighing on you. Name that viper. We see in the passage God flips the script with Paul, and through faith God can flip ours and redeem our reality too. God is still working through the storm, through the shipwreck, and through the bite God is with you, and when your burdens mount, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God is present, and God will stand with you as you get back on track after you get derailed. So as you identify those vipers, as you identify those weights, remember that invitation from Jesus, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest rest. Our passage this morning wraps up with a few verses as we see Paul and his crew's stock just continue to rise on the island of Malta. So let's peek at the last few verses there. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this, has happened, when this had happened, the rest of the sick of the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Their journey in these ten verses was absolutely derailed, but God absolutely carried them. We see in verse 7, they're welcomed at Publius' estate the chief official on the island. So these shipwrecked prisoners have gone straight to the top. We see Paul heals Publius' father and the rest of the sick on Malta and receives generous hospitality and continued unusual kindness from them for three days. As we read, the, the group is honored in many ways, and the people on the island provide all the supplies the crew needs to continue on their journey. Now, remember, Paul was on that boat as a prisoner. This isn't a hero washing up on shore. This is a prisoner. And yet, through faith and through God's provision, he connected with people when he comes ashore. He's connected with the island's chief official, and he's been able to demonstrate God's healing power. A derailed, shipwrecked prisoner found ample favor and ample opportunity to serve God. The story continues for Paul and the shipwrecked crew after verse 10, and those are some more verses you can look at later in the week. In the midst of their storm, they could not see the end. Can you relate to that feeling, being in the middle of the storm and not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel or not seeing a conclusion clearly? If you're feeling like your summer, your year, or your life has been derailed, maybe you can't envision a way out right now. You know, I doubt there was a clear path in mind when the boat hit the sandbar, or when they were swimming in the cold water, or when the viper bit, but the story was not over. God led them back on track, and in the process, set the table for Paul to minister. Let's not lose sight of that. Amidst this derailment, Paul was able to heal people in the name of Jesus. So stay alert. We need to stay alert to how God may be using what you're doing, what you're living through to bring hope to others along the way. And don't get discouraged because just like in this passage, God has a conclusion to each of our stories that we might not be able to see yet. The story didn't end here for Paul and the others on the ship. There was a lot more ahead of them off the island of Malta. And that's very true for us, too, right here on this Sunday morning. Our plans for the year thus far may not be what we thought they would be back in January, but God is not finished. He invites us to trust that he has carried his people Through storms throughout history. He has carried us through storms, and God will keep doing that now. Through faith in our everyday life, God will provide both His presence and a path through any storm or any derailment. There is not a storm, there is not a situation that came to mind for you over our time of worship this morning that can separate us from God's love or God's providential direction for us. And that, everybody, is good news. Amen.